Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, June the 23rd in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year A, proper week seven, which is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Friday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary and this week of the church's calendar year. So we find ourselves back in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. So let me read that passage about a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 39. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more are the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. But I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for us. All right, let's get into it. This is one of those hard passages. There's actually a a source out there called the Hard Sayings of the Bible, and it's really thick because... You know, we start reading the uh, Bible in some big uh, sections and chunks. We're going to see, man, there's some really strange things in here that need some further explanation. And this obviously lands there. It was also real popular for churches in the past 20 years to do like a hard sayings of Jesus sermon series. Like just, just, you know, at the moment you think that we're only going to tell you the light stuff that Jesus said and did. We're going to get to the hard stuff, the stuff that's been perplexing. Scholars and academics, those inside and outside the church for many centuries. And this is one of them, right? Uh, This is actually, our text today is in the middle of a longer passage where Jesus is giving a missionary charge to his disciples. So he's going to send them out in pairs to all these different places. And he gives them a peculiar charge at the very beginning. He says, don't go to the Gentiles, stay among the lost sheep of Israel. So it's just important for us to keep in mind that when Jesus says these things, He's requesting that his disciples do and say these things among those who are in the people of Israel. They're already in the covenant community. They've been rehearsing the story. They've been attending the festivals. They worship 
God in synagogue. They read the Torah. They listen to it explained. Uh, they raise their hands and ask Rabbi tough questions as a sign and fruit of a very you know, cur- curious faith. And so this is not just an obscurity. This is not in a vacuum. This is toward a, toward a certain group of people. Another thing to think about, and this comes from a branch that we call textual criticism of the New Testament, is that um, Matthew's got two, he's like kind of painting on two canvases at the same time. Canvas number one is to try to sketch the story of Jesus so that his memory, the memory of him is preserved, how things happened, uh, the historical things that happened in his ministry, his crucifixion and death, his resurrection, like all those things. But Matthew's also trying to strengthen a church, and it seems as if his Gospels was written after A.D. 70, where uh, Rome came into Jerusalem, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and everybody scattered in fear. And there's a sense where as some of these Jewish churches were putting the pieces back together, they had a lot to reckon with. And there might have been some people in their family who didn't quite follow the way of Jesus, right? They All of them are Jews, but uh, they decided that they continued to rally around Torah and Moses' words in Torah instead of Jesus as the fulcrum of the covenant, right? The fulfillment, the climax of the covenant. And so Matthew is also trying to convey, like, you know, Jesus was serious about what he said, and Jesus also warned us about the hardships um, that would buffet uh, our community because of our political circumstances, our social circumstances as the people of God in Palestine. And so here's Jesus looking with great clarity upon the trouble that was ahead for them. He'll come back to this again uh, during his last week in ministry in Jerusalem, where he begins to talk about different woes upon the city. He begins to talk about different hardships, going to afflict people and separate people in their homes and so on and so forth. Even with all that, this is still some striking language of Jesus. It's good. It's just important for us to bring this language along with us as we reckon with who God is, as we worship Jesus and pray to Him. Um, we need to carry with us this idea where, yes, Jesus is a benevolent and compassionate God, and one that in the very same gospel, this gospel of Matthew, Jesus looked upon the crowd of people, probably from some of these villages and cities, and He had compassion on them. Like, because he saw that they were a sheep without a shepherd. But he also knew that uh, human beings within our kit, we have a waywardness, or we have a, you know, a penchant towards superficiality where we can, on the outside, look like we've got it all together and that we're committed. But deep inside, there's still great reservation and even rebellion within, so that we're not a whole, instinct person. And so there are moments where Jesus had to say it as it was. He had to throw fastballs, not just change ups. He had to. Uh, bring these subtle warnings uh, to the people of God. And he sent his disciples out uh, with this type of a message. I just think it's worth noting that uh, in regards to deposits and withdrawals, like this is like what we call in uh, ministry philosophy, like withdrawal language, where um, as you know, leaders in the church, we have to remind people that God is holy and that we need to follow God and uh, not have any reservation and don't have an undivided heart the best we can. Rely upon God to help us to be fully committed to Him and His ways, right? So these moments where you take this like a withdrawal word where you know that you're going to be um, very challenging to the group. And so in and around these withdrawal moments, you definitely fill, fill the bank, fill it with many deposits of grace and of comfort. And this is not like a good cop, bad cop, uh, thing. This is just you no. Know, the human heart 
Um, we, it tends to thrive the most when it's challenged and when it's comforted. Um, it, it, and we need both of them in spades in order for there to be a greenhouse within our souls. So this is simply a moment where Jesus looks them in the eye and he like, I get to see Jesus. I put up, he says, it's okay from time to time to point a finger in somebody's chest and look them in the eye and uh, call them out and do so with love. Of course, don't just go around giving hot takes and being rude and disrespectful. Uh, but look at, you know, in a, in a brotherly and a sisterly way, say, Hey, like, man, like this is beneath us. Um, that language, this is beneath us. It comes from a great story from John Kronstadt, uh, was a priest in Russia at a time when uh, many families were being torn apart, uh, were on the brink of poverty and starvation because alcoholism was running rampant in their villages, including Kronstadt's. And, um, it's the point where uh, clergy felt uh, they were threatened in the streets. It was dangerous. And so they just kind of waited in cathedrals and churches for mass and for people to come in. And that's when they would conduct their ministry. But Kronstadt used to go out in the middle of the night after the bars had closed down and there'd be grown men, you know, scattered all over every, all the sidewalks and streets, uh, passed out drunk. And he would pick them up and he would cradle them in his arms and he would carry them home. And he said, hey, this is beneath you. You were meant to house the glory of God. This is beneath you. But he did so in the midst of a loving embrace. Have you ever had, like received a word like that before where somebody, you knew they really loved you and they, they needed to say something and you needed to hear it. And uh, at first you thought you were going to flinch and you thought you were going to get defensive and angry and storm out. But you knew that it came from a place of compassion and love. And they, you know that they're calling you higher. They're calling you deeper. That's what I, I, I gather with these words. And there's many things that we have to mop up here about Jesus bringing sword instead of peace and about how there's going to be a division in the household and talk about how uh, there needs to be like a preservation, like worry about uh, how body and soul can be destroyed in hell, not just something that destroys the body and make sure that we confess God before people instead of be ashamed of him because it's going to work in like pattern around the judgment seat. So like all these things are important. But it's, I think it's also important to take in stride, like the moment that this was said and the place that it was said from and the people who it was said to, and it helps to color in why these words were operative and they were probably effective during that time, right? So all of us are perhaps uh, like these uh, in the, that are going to be in the crowds that the disciples face. Um, you know, we, we're doing our best in the faith, but you know, there's an area of life that we've just kind of, our hands off the wheel and um, we know better and we could be better. So maybe Jesus, in a very loving way, is wrapping his arm around our shoulders and he's saying, hey, this is beneath you. Let's make some changes. Let's get going in a different direction. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice this morning because Jesus, you care for us. You care for us that you... Uh, move with compassion. Uh, you know there are moments when we just can't help ourselves, and so you come in with super abundant grace. You also recognize there are times where we we do know better. Uh, we've we've received the teachings, we've been modeled the way, but we've still been resistant. Uh, we've still been unable uh, to take those first steps of faithfulness, and so you meet us um, as a big brother who uh, can look at us in the eyes and, with both sternness and compassion, you can motivate us. Um, by your grace and your love to live a different way. And so God, all of us confess that uh, we've got areas in our life where while they're recognized or unrecognized, um, we just continue to fall short and we resist to make changes. And so we thank you for the sobriety of these words from uh, our Savior, from your Son. 
We pray that they would meet us with great comfort and with uh, inspiration. And we pray that as we hear from you fresh and new today, that we'd also make changes and that we'd cross over bridges and that we would um, chart new paths of faithfulness because you're worth it and your way is good. And so it's our desire to follow your way. So help us as we make our first steps today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.